Hi, my name is Dustin. I'm Anna. And we are not qualified to investigate the paranormal, but we are much less qualified than a physicist. Yes. Hmm? Okay, and welcome back, everyone, or welcome for the first time for those of you who are tuning in, which is just such an old term for anything podcasting. So not tuning in. For anyone who is listening for the first time, uh, what do you say? You don't say tuning in. Streaming. Streaming. For yeah. anyone well, streaming. they might have downloaded it. Downloading, clicking on the URLs, the URIs, clicking on the things, doing the stuff. If you're doing the stuff, welcome. Thank you for not turning it off. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> who the hell are these people? Anyway, we have a really great case. I don't even know what to call this. This isn't a case. This is like a collection of cases, which I think a lot of paranormal things are, right? Like if you have an account with a cryptid or you have like a ghost, it's usually more than one person who's seeing it. Otherwise, you're just some crazy person on YouTube or some crazy person in history who said they saw a ghost, right? Uh, this is not about ghosts, although it could be. This actually, what we're going to be talking about tonight could be the answer to absolutely every single paranormal thing that ever happens ever. Wow. Yeah. Big claims. Big claims, making big claims tonight, <laughs> this afternoon. Whatever time you're listening. Whatever time that. you're listening. Mm -hmm. uh, there are big things going on over here. <laughs> you're very excited. I am really excited about this. This is actually a really cool, something that's near and dear to my heart uh, because it involves a lot of physics and I am not a physics major, but, am I? but uh, I did take physics <laughs> in college, one and two, that one time. And... I haven't taken physics since early in high school. Okay. <laughs> but this is where physics meets psychology. This is where you and I collide. This I uh, know I'm really I I am really excited about this. We should jump right in. There were so many stories on this one. It was really hard to pick one or two stories to tell you. Mm -hmm. So I think what I did was I picked two more recent stories and also with somewhat of an already scientific edge to them. It's debatable with one of them, but we'll we'll go over that when we get to it. I'm going to tell you the story. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to are you ready to hear it? Tell me a story. Dr. Raul Centino was an ER doctor working the night shift in his hospital near Cuzco, Peru. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. C-U-Z-C-O. Cuzco, right? I have never heard of it. Okay. So. Well, it's gorgeous. Oh. According to the pictures on Google Maps. His specialty was neurology, but he was thankful to work the mandatory ER shift at night as it was a quieter setting than his usual daytime hours. As he was making his rounds, he heard a commotion in the lobby and went out to see what was going on and if there was anything he could do to help. A group of people in hiking clothes were the source of the commotion and they were carrying one of their fellow hikers into the hospital, apparently unable to walk. Please help, she's just collapsed, one of the hikers said in English. Dr. Santino luckily spoke English and said, bring her back here and set her on the table. Tell me what happened. The friends began to relay their story to Dr. Santino. They got the patient to the bed, and as the group continued to tell the story, Dr. Santino tried to visualize what they were telling him, and in his mind's eye, the setting and the story started to take shape. In the heart of the Peruvian Andes, a group of friends embarked on a journey to explore the mystical ancient stone forest of Markawasi. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right either. <laughs> you know, when you're prepping a story, you can like look up this pronunciation. Ah, uh, I could have, but I didn't. <laughs> you know, though, when you when you listen to the YouTube videos and, mm -hmm. and like look at the uh, other, I don't know. Like I didn't look at like a phonetic pronunciation of this word. Yeah. But like everybody pronounces it differently because okay. nobody from Peru is actually talking about this. So oh, that yeah. that's a really good. Except for except for the doctor, uh, we'll get into that. Yeah. But, yeah, you just have to do a little more digging to find people. Markawasi, I think the forest of Markawasi. The moon was full and the air was cool, the perfect night for adventure. Oh, and I don't even know it. <laughs> the group of friends included Sarah, an aspiring archaeologist, her boyfriend Diego, a history buff, and their friends Mia and Carlos. 
both of whom were eager for the thrill of exploration as they wandered through the campground. <laughs> Wandering where? The campground. I, okay, yeah, I think what I... What it meant to say here was, okay. as they wandered through, uh, it's a national park okay. that you can camp at. Okay. I think that's what this is trying to say. Okay. As they wandered through the national forest, the night grew darker and more mysterious. Suddenly, the faint sound of music caught their attention. Guys, do you hear that? Asked Diego, his ears perking up. Yeah, where is it coming from? Sarah replied. Her curiosity peaked. The group followed the melody, which led them to a small, torch-lit stone cabin tucked away among the ancient formations. They could see people dancing inside, their shadows casting an eerie pattern on the walls. As they approached the cabin, Sarah felt a sudden sensation of cold wash over her. She shivered, but dismissed it, focusing instead on the scene unfolding before her eyes. She couldn't help but notice that the occupants were clad in 17th century fashion, a fact that only added to the mystery. Guys, look at their clothes, Sarah whispered. It's like we've stepped back in time. No reaction. I'm confused <laughs> already. <laughs> Can I clarify anything for you <laughs> just, at this just point? Just seeing people. They, they stumbled upon this stone cabin uh -huh. amongst these ancient stone formations, mm -hmm. and there are people inside dancing okay. to harpsichord music. That, that's not part of the story so far, but oh, okay. in 17th century Europe, 17th century, like, European clothes? Yeah, okay. like, yeah, like uh, uh, I don't know if it's Portuguese, uh, the Portuguese or the Spanish who settled in uh, Peru, but... I don't know. Yeah. I think it was the, I think it was the Spanish because mm -hmm. I think there was a specific song that's playing that I didn't put in the story because mm -hmm. nobody would know what it was. But it was like a, it was like the Spanish national anthem at the time. Oh. Mia, always the brave one, grabbed Sarah's hand. Come on, let's get a closer look. Sarah hesitated for a moment before following Mia. As they drew nearer, she couldn't resist the urge to peer inside. She stuck her head through the open door watching the dancers twirl and laugh, as if in a world of their own. As she stood there, entranced by the scene, she tried to step into the room. But before she could fully enter, Mia, sensing something amiss, grabbed her arm and pulled her back. Sarah, we shouldn't be in here, Mia whispered, her voice shaking. What? Why? It's just a dance, Sarah protested, still trying to get a better view. No, there's something off, Mia insisted. I don't know what it is, but we need to leave. Sarah was halfway through the door when Mia pulled her out. Sarah immediately collapsed and was unable to speak. After trying unsuccessfully to get up, the hikers began to carry her back to the car and get her to the nearest hospital. Mm. Dr. Santino blinked as he returned fully to the present moment. During the telling of the story, he had begun to run tests and after a few minutes was able to diagnose one of Sarah's symptoms. But Sarah was a young, healthy woman, and this condition was extremely rare, even in unhealthy adults. Also, the patient was still conscious and lucid. None of this made any sense, but the sincerity of the group removed the idea that they were playing a joke or trying to hide something. More Do you know what the condition was? Now hold on, because oh, okay. he's about to tell you. Oh, okay. Sorry. More tests need to be run, but it appears you are suffering from hemiplegia a condition in which half of the body is paralyzed. Do you have any history of stroke or blood clots? Sarah assured him that she did not. Upon further testing, there was no known cause or issue with the patient's brain or blood flow. To this day, it remains unknown as to why Sarah suffered from this affliction, but Dr. Santino believes that she must have entered an alternate dimension halfway before being pulled back to our universe, causing the partial paralysis. Thoughts? Who thinks that? The doctor. The doctor. Okay. Doctor Santino then goes on <laughs> to become a paranormal investigator after hearing the story and going on a hike in the woods. He's so convinced by what Sarah and her friends are telling him that he's like, "I need to go check this out. This sounds super serious. What's going on here?" Mm -hmm. Completely believes her. By the way, from everything I've been able to find, he puts her on like a regimen of you know uh, physical therapy, and she eventually gets you know feeling back on the right side of her body or left side of her body, whichever mm -hmm. side it was. She's doing okay, but this is a true recorded thing that happened. That's 
that is unusual. Highly, highly unusual. Now, I should say that when Sarah's friend Mia Mm -hmm. pulls, like, it's kind of iffy on how hard she pulled like Mm -hmm. did she yank her did she like was she but everybody apparently saw this weird ritual slash thing going on inside of these inside of this stone cabin so it could have been cosplayers could have been but let's say for the sake of the story for now Mm-hmm. We were they were viewing uh, a alternate dimension shift, mm-hmm. and they were looking into uh, either a time warp or mm-hmm. an alternate dimension in which it was still the 17th century in Peru. That's what we're gonna say. We're just like let's. Start I, I'm just I'm saying for this for this part of the story we haven't gotten into it. I'm asking you, you know, what your thoughts are going into this uh-huh. because now not only do we have a group of hikers mm-hmm. who are well educated. Um, or getting well-educated. But now we have a doctor, a, a, a medical doctor in Peru who is now involved. And, like, there is no... They've done, they did a CAT scan. No medical explanation for why she should have had hemiplegia. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right either. I apologize mm-hmm. if I'm not. No blood clots. No no an issue as to why that should have happened. Oh, goodness. That's wild. I mean, I don't know a lot about hemiplegia, if anything, but or right. what does cause it. I'm not asking for your medical but, opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't have one because I'm not a right. medical doctor. I'm a psychologist. Um, so a doctor of the mind. But it is, it's, it's important because we always... In clinical psychology, from a biopsychosocial approach, we assess biological explanations for things first and foremost. Um, if someone comes to me with sleep issues and they have um, a REM disorder or, uh, you know, a seizure disorder, I mean, it's going to be, I'm not going to diagnose them with insomnia right away. Like, there, there's a lot else going on. But there's no rule out with hemiplegia that would be um, immediately coming to my mind. Actually, what starts to come to my mind, though, are forms of paralysis that are somatoform disorders. Hi, this is Anna jumping in here to say that for the next few minutes, you're going to hear me use the term somatization and somatoform disorders interchangeably, when what I really should be saying is somatic symptom disorders, more specifically conversion disorder, which is also called functional neurologic symptom disorder. And also a reminder that none of this is meant to be psychological advice, really much more about science information. Thanks. I don't know what that means. So what lay people call psychosomatic. Okay. Or somatization disorders. I call it psychosomatic. Yeah. Am I a lay person? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And these are really, really un... Somatoform paralyzation is usually a much more smaller part of the body. body. Like one's hand might become like kind of frozen and immobile. Um, or, uh, th- but it, it's really, really uncommon in the United States because Why? it might be, and some of the research looks at like, if there are psychosocial factors that explain a biological symptom. So you first still have to rule out any biological causes for paralyzation or losing or, or what, whatever kind of somatization it is, whether it's intense splitting headaches a person's having or nausea or vomiting, you know, something that would seem like a chronic illness or an acute illness, you have to rule out biological causes for that first and so you run all the tests and you see is there would there be anything going on in their blood panels or a brain scan or all the tests that I don't have the expertise in analyzing and then when those doctors rule all that out then they send them to the psychologist the health psychologist or the clinical psychologist or the psychiatric team psychiatrist to assess yeah no record of anyone sending anything to anyone Mm -hmm. in the psychological department in this hospital in Peru which is interesting so I'm curious would be curious then well what tests did he run because when, when i see those then i'm just going to look at the doctor's interpretation of all their tests he did a cat scan mm-hmm. and i think that's as and probably ran a blood panel he mm-hmm. didn't find any clots that's what he's like really looking for because he was looking for a stroke basically. yeah yeah right so he like got cold ahead of time mm-hmm. like you know there were some symptoms there that okay. i think he was looking specifically and he was like okay but did she and fall then down? maybe maybe have a hallucination she only fell down mm-hmm. after her friend pulled her yeah. when she had walked halfway into the other dimension slash the stone cabin <laughs> okay and so did he rule out a nerve damage yes 
Okay. He ruled out all medical possibilities. That this they... is just a healthy young woman who all of a sudden became okay. paralyzed in half. And of then her he body. did not refer her to psychiatry or mental health. Not from anything I've seen, but okay. there is a little bit of shadiness around the story because yeah. she was unable to provide documentation of who she was. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of shadiness, and and yeah, yeah, a lot of that. But also, if mm-hmm. you're hiking and camping in the woods, and all of a sudden you become half paralyzed, are you really gonna be like, hey, let's stop and get my documentation before we go see the doctor? Yeah. Yeah. So let's so, let's ignore that for now. <laughs> sure, put a pin in that. Um, the fact that we he didn't know who she was and couldn't get any couldn't get any history, right? Other than what is, she said. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're. I mean, and even in mental health, we're relying on people's self report. But you're still gonna do again. You're gonna do bio, psychosocial assessment, as well as a, a psychosocial history on that person to the extent that you can get reliable information. And two things to be said when a person has a potential somatization problem and they're seeking medical attention for it, a lot of times there's a reluctance to then be referred to mental health or be referred to a psychiatrist. The immediate implication being sure. we think you're faking yeah. or lying. Right. And it is yeah. the and it, so it takes really good care providers who are collaborative and supportive and and often bring the mental health team to the patient rather than like dismissing them from the medical unit. It's really bringing the team in and saying this person isn't here to because we don't believe you. You're legitimately experiencing this and the body and the brain are not disconnected. They communicate and what we look at with somatization disorders a lot of the time is that it might be the nervous system is responding to a stressor in the peripheral nervous system and the central nervous system. There, There is a way that trauma and stress or even physical trauma you know, can be carried in the body and kind of cause these, not without it being like nerve damage, but be, still being a nervous system effect. And the way that that's still psychological is, think about it this way. If you fall and hurt yourself and, you know, feel pain, when you're a kid, you cry. You express that emotion. But what if you were in a context where you were socialized to not cry, to not express that pain, and to just carry that and carry that and carry that? So what we often see is that it gets expressed in other ways. So it can get expressed in physical ways. Um, Okay, so to sum up kind of what you're saying is that this could have been psychosomatic Mm -hmm. as a lay person Mm -hmm. because either she was suppressing some other emotions or feelings at the time or... I feel like there was another. Or was that it? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> um, that was it. That's that's fine if that, that was. Like, uh, that's that may, so that's what we would be then assessing is like, what's this person been through lately? What's gone on? The, the physical trauma too, but then also potentially is there a chronic stress or a long history of, of, yeah. of stra- traumatic stressors in this person not having support or a social and cultural context where they can express their emotions okay so somatoform disorders with paralyzation as far as i know they're more common in cultures and settings where there's high high chronic stress exposure stress exposure like war zones people who grew up in war zones and there was just like very very little infrastructure for mental health or support people who are in cultures where it who they are as a person is is someone who socialized to not express emotion. So you might see this in places where um, women, for example, are not equal. They might then have a <laughs> so higher... So everywhere yeah. around the world? <laughs> right. like, I mean, what like, are we talking legal, about? like completely disenfranchised and isolated or... Okay. Um, so you might see it. And I, I, I can't... I don't want to, like, speak uh, without... I, I don't know. I don't where want Sarah's to say from. specifics, but yeah. like, yeah, I don't know, and I don't. We don't know where she's from. We have no idea. Yeah. Um. So that's really difficult to do a comprehensive psychosocial history on top of the biopsychosocial. Okay, and put a pin in some of that because yeah. we're like this. We haven't started. I know. So, <laughs> so you asked me though, what do I think of a possibility? No, of, no, of no, a, absolutely. Any psychological explanation. If you again, I had assuming yeah that he completely ruled out physical causes for hemiplegia right. that's that is what people who practice like i do would start to think about and and do that okay well let and me... i have to say here because i use the word practice none of this is advice okay <laughs> everybody out there okay i don't think anybody is listening to this for advice but <laughs> right. maybe uh, if you are yeah. stop stop listening <laughs> right. right now this is, yeah We're, no one's giving you advice here no. uh for anything no nope. <laughs> not a, not an advice podcast okay what we do have is somewhat of an explanation i have two more segments for you the first one is kind of an explanation as to where some of these things are coming from as far as i guess the internet collective is the best way to put this mm-hmm. is coming from 
And then the other side is the actual scientific community of quantum physicists and, and, and other physicists mm-hmm. who have a theory on this as well. So let's dive into this. And while we're going through this, we're actually going to tell our second story for the last bullet point here. Because when we talk about something like parallel universes or time shifts, there is a a new phenomena that's out there that a lot of people are talking about and has really caught on with popular culture. So let's dive into just parallel universes as the internet sees them. While there is no scientific evidence proving the existence of parallel universes, many people claim to have had experiences that they believe indicate the existence of alternate realities. And this is so true that like when I started doing the research for this episode, there are so many stories on Reddit and on YouTube and like there's just so many stories of this and and they all kind of are like something similar to you know one day me and my brother when we were kids we went out to play and we noticed there was this like brand new paved road and so we like went out and we were like it's such a weird thing there's this brand new paved road and we like walked up and down it for like an hour and then we went home and the next day we went back and the the paved road was gone right it's like little things like that that are just like kind of big if you think about it from like a kid's point of view but like uh, kind of like you can kind of understand how a kid might think that something is one direction and not anyway but it's it's something along those lines mm-hmm. anyway these experiences often involve strange coincidences feelings of deja vu or encounters with people or places that seem to be slightly different from what they remember here are a few examples of such experiences so uh, this breaks it down into like a couple of different terms, I guess, that a lot of people speak about or talk about when they talk about these experiences that they have. Number one, glitch in the matrix. Some people report experiences they refer to as glitches in the matrix, named after the 1990 film, The Matrix. Like, knows what that means. The glitches are moments when reality seems to malfunction, leading to bizarre and unexplainable occurrences. For example, someone might witness an object suddenly disappearing and reappearing, or a person appearing in two places at once. There's actually a really funny... There's a lot of these that I looked up on Snopes after, like, reading about them. One of them is the Pope disappearing. (laughs) What? There's this video clip of the Pope, and he, like, he's, like, waving at people from, like, a balcony, and he turns around, and all of a sudden he disappears for a second. And everybody's like, what? Like, that went viral. It was just somebody edited it. Yeah. It just all... <laughs> but it was so people. funny that they picked on the Pope. They're like, let's get the Pope with this, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, and don't get me wrong. Like, there are, <laughs> there are reasons to hate the Pope for sure. Well, yeah, it's terrifying the notion of, of yeah. these, like, high-profile people disappearing. Right. But yeah. I think that was part of it is like, uh-huh. oh, these are... And, and uh, I watched this really dumb thing on YouTube where it was, like, adults' reactions to it. Mm-hmm. And this one lady was like, oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. There have been lizard people among us for years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we'll do a whole a whole episode on lizard people, don't mm-hmm. worry. Number two, reality shifts. Some individuals describe instances where they believe they've been briefly entered into an alternate reality. They might notice small but significant differences, such as a familiar building that has suddenly vanished or a friend who has no memory of a shared experience. These reality shifts are often temporary with the person eventually returning to their original reality. I read a couple of instances like this as well, where uh, someone is doing is like shopping and they look down their dollar has, uh, you know, the the single dollar has Lincoln on it or something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. and then like when they go to enter the shop, they look at their dollar again and it's got George Washington on it again, like just like little weird things like that. This is sounding so just all over the place. It is. It is. It's it's so big. Like, mm-hmm. I think we might need to split this into two different episodes, but okay. we'll, we'll try to get it into one. A two-parter on multiple universes. Right. Mm-hmm. Dreams and out-of-body experiences. Some people believe that vivid dreams or out-of-body experiences, OBEs, are glimpses into a parallel universe. During these experiences, individuals might interact with alternate versions of themselves or explore unfamiliar environments that seem to exist in another reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is like the uh, Doctor Strange multiverse. Isn't it like the dreams where you 
Like isn't that Doctor oh like Strange? astral astral projection? I thought thing? Doctor Strange like in the dreams he like you can see the alternate universes or whatever. But maybe yeah. that's another movie. Yeah. I don't know. This is this has definitely been like portrayed in yeah. popular culture oh, in yeah. like a movie or something. <laughs> as far as the the recent we're well, not more recent more recent internet phenomenon of the multiverse, I certainly part of me is like well it's the Matrix's fault, but that's not as pervasive as the MCU. Blame the MCU. <laughs> Number four, time slips. Time slips are incidents in which people claim to have been transported either physically or mentally to a different time period. These experiences often involve encountering people, objects, or events from past or future, and sometimes even interacting with them. So the story we just read, I think, was supposed to be a time slip. Mm -hmm. That was like an example of a time slip. Mm -hmm. Number five in the last... And so this is where we're going to jump back into a story. I'm really like nesting things. This time. Okay, cool. I don't know cool. if you noticed. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a dumb story, but here we're going we're gonna to go through it anyway. All right. In a town nestled in the heartland of America, a group of people gathered at a local library. I don't believe it. <laughs> Nobody gathers at libraries. <laughs> for their monthly book club meeting. This month's book was about the life and legacy of Nelson Mandela. The members were excited to discuss the life of this extraordinary man. Among them was Fiona, a woman with a keen interest in history. As the discussion progressed, Fiona hesitated for a moment and said, You know, I have this vivid memory of Mandela dying in prison back in the 1980s. I remember seeing it on the news and feeling so heartbroken. The room fell silent as everyone stared at her in confusion. <laughs> Probably because she said something really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. One of the members, a woman named Rebecca, replied, Fiona, Mandela was released from prison in 1990 and became South Africa's first democratically elected president in 1994. He passed away in 2013. Fiona frowned. I, I know, it's just so strange. I can't, I can't shake this memory, and I, I could have sworn it was real. Another member, Thomas, chimed in. You know, I had a similar memory, too. I remember watching a news report about his death, but now that you mention it, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it. Now that you mention it, it doesn't make sense. Okay. The others in the room murmured, some admitting they shared the same false recollection. Intrigued by this phenomena, Fiona decided to share her memory online to see if others had had the same experience. To her surprise, her post went viral. Countless people from around the world commented, sharing their own memories of Mandela's supposed death in the 1980s. The phenomena became known as the Mandela Effect, and Fiona found herself at the center of it all. Over the years, the Mandela Effect continued to captivate the public's imagination. Fiona Broom became a spokesperson for the phenomena, speaking at conferences and writing articles to help people understand how and why such false memories could occur. Through it all, Fiona remained fascinated by the resilience of the human memory and the power of shared experiences. And though her memory of Mandela's death in prison was false, (laughs) even though this whole thing was a fake, The impact of his life and legacy continued to inspire her and millions of others around the world. After she learned about his life. Right, that's very nice that they, (laughs) like, we're ending the story on, like, look, Nelson Mandela didn't die, and he continued to, like, inspire people throughout (laughs) the years after he had supposedly died. Um, Forty years after I'd found out he had a life that went on 40 years later. What? That doesn't even make any sense. So this brings us to number five, which is the Mandela effect. Mm Mm-hmm. The Mandela Effect is a phenomenon where a large group of people share a false memory of historical event or fact. And it's not always necessarily historical, by the way. It's stupid things, uh, and we're going to get into that in a second. Some proponents of the multiverse theory suggest that these collective false memories could be the result of people experiencing alternate realities where the remembered event did occur. It's important to note that these experiences are typically anecdotal, and there is no scientific evidence to confirm the existence of parallel universes. This isn't necessarily true. I don't know why I left that line in there. (laughs) But there's no evidence for parallel universes? Right. There might be, and we're going to get into that later on. Okay. However, these stories... What? However, 
the Mandela effect isn't one of those pieces of evidence. <laughs> However, these stories can be fascinating and thought-provoking, uh-huh. prompting discussion about the nature of reality and the possibilities of other dimensions. Okay. Thoughts. Thoughts on the Mandela effect. Oh, boy. Um, or any of those things. I know it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, because well, the Mandela effect, it, it's it's so... Um, here, we'll, like, we'll get offended by the name of it because it's like... this is a person who had such a harrowing story and important life um in those years that these people have were not aware that he was still living and all the years before that and it's just pretty they're not south african so but he's (laughs) no no no, i'm not trying to i'm just saying like they weren't like they didn't see him on tv a lot like it after Nelson Mandela was released from prison or imprisoned, uh-huh. that might be like the last they heard about him for a really long time. There was like the Free Africa, the Free South Africa movement. Yeah. Free Nelson Mandela movement. Yeah. But like anyone uh, who had, well, and I can only there was say, no internet in the nineties. I know, but I having and this is anecdotal and not coming from me as a psychologist, but like learned about him in the nineties because he was having an impact on world events and making history. So I knew who he was as a 13-year-old, you know, as a kid. Okay. Um, after this. So they had to be ignoring, <laughs> like, or not in school. They weren't in school at the time, I suppose. I don't know. Anyway, but specific, the Mandela part of it specifically to me is just a reflection of a minority of people. And this is what gets confused about the Mandela effect is that it's an internet phenomenon. And so internet mm-hmm. phenomena inflate, yeah. artificially inflate the number of people that are affected by something. So when you said that, like, you know, millions of people all over the world said that they had remembered that he died in the 80s. I don't, we that's very difficult to actually assess because something goes viral. That doesn't mean that millions of people are affirming it. And it's still, even if something goes viral to, to millions, that still could just be in the United States or in the West. So the around the world part it may not even be accurate to that either. Yeah, I think she, I don't know if she did like a, she did not do a scientific study. No. But what mm-hmm. she did do is collect you know, these emails that she was mm-hmm. receiving from people who were reading this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she did, like, collect it and write a book about it. Oh, interesting. I okay. don't know, yeah. again, what her what her methods were mm-hmm. or any... Uh, I guess I do know what her methods were. She was collecting she <laughs> anecdotal was internet. Anecdotal from, internet. Or, or, like, inter- making friends uh, with people who experience the same thing as her. Yeah, that wouldn't be very un- unbiased research. But Right. And I, and I don't think that, as it's called a Mandela effect, that has not had a lot of empirical research. There may be, like, a few studies more recently, but... Um, they're still kind of small surveys and some some even small experimental designs. The more commonly researched component of it is false memory. But Mandela effect is uniquely getting at shared false memory. A group right. of people all remembering something inaccurate together. So you've got, then you're going to ask yourself, what would make, we? I can talk about false memories and certainly highlight there's, there is a lot of research about false memory. We got interrupted by a ghost. Apologies. Uh, you were saying. I was saying. Uh, um, shared, shared. Uh, shared false memory. Shared false memory. Yeah. So yeah. like, so again, the area of false memory research is big and there are a lot of some different theories. And But what that all comes down to on the individual level, we all have false memories because memory is not fact. Memory is a brain phenomenon, just like sleep. It's It's malleable but habitual and um, has to be recreated every day that you retrieve the memory or act on it. So, but for people to have a false memory that is shared with other people about a a world event, current events, or pop culture, that's, there's less research on it because it's, I don't know why there's less research on it, but it's just a different kind of question than just false memory. I think there's a lot to do with why would people share misinformation, share a false False information is what I would call it then. Like share it. A lot of people believe something that's not accurate. Now, Mm -hmm. the funny thing about this is there's so many examples Mm -hmm. of this Mm -hmm. and I've read them and I'm like, this is dumb Mm -hmm. for some of them. Mm -hmm. And then some of them are them and I'm like, as I was reading them, I went to like other sites and read some of their examples. Mm -hmm. And I swear the Mandela effect happened to me immediately. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, no, 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 wait, the other site said this. And I went back and looked and I was like, oh no, it didn't. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so it was. <laughs> right. 
So that's just my stupidity. Yeah. Um, or or inability. <laughs> yeah, but I, I agree. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd like to take you through some of these and see if if you can tell us what you think. Yeah. And then we'll see if there if the Mandela effect, quote unquote, happens to you. Now, I know that you did a little bit of research on this before. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about it. So if you already heard this example, then pass. Yeah, sure. I mean, okay. I've heard a lot of examples, I did, but I don't know the fact of each of them. Have so you I, heard the example of Curious George? Tail or no tail? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know what the... I actually, <laughs> I know the correct answer because I read this to my daughter. Right. So I know the answer. Wait, what's the answer? He has a tail. No, he does not. <laughs> Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, he does not what? have a tail. Curious George does not have a tail. See? Why? Okay. He never had a tail. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because he's a monkey. Maybe that's what... And this is where I can just so easily be like, why would right. he... Because we... So what just happened to me right now is it's all associational. Memory in many ways is just associative connections happening in our brain. Um, think about each neuronal connection being like a network or a web and uh, you can't activate one little node without it kind of connecting to all these other little nodes but it might not be the one that you're actually going for so when you say curious george i think of the images in a book you know a page of a book visual imagery but i also think of then my stereotype in my mind of a monkey and when i say stereotype that's we, we use that word as if it's a bad thing it's just how our brains save time and make shortcuts about what something is schema schema Exactly. Um, okay, I'd, I'd love to continue talking yeah, about yeah. that, but so, we have anyway, so many more to so go many through. More. But do you want me to explain <laughs> each one? Or no, no. You, I like, think I think yeah. I think we're just going to go through these rapid fire, okay. and then you can talk about you know okay. oh, the, okay. the themes that okay, you're saying. Okay, let's do the fun part. Okay. Okay. Yes, fun part. I hate this one. The Berenstain Bears. Yeah, heard it. Berenstain Bears or Berenstain Bears. I, I I remember it as Berenstein Bears. Right, it's right. Berenstein uh-huh. Bears. And I'm like, you know what? I, I was a kid. I couldn't yeah. read that anyway. The peanut butter that starts with a J. Yeah, Jif or Jiffy. It's Jif. It's Jif. Yeah, and it I don't, I, I'm sure I remember people saying Jiffy, but I was also a kid who would be like, that's wrong. It's Jif. Rich <laughs> Uncle Pennybags. I don't know what you're talking about. He is the, <laughs> he's the mascot for Monopoly. Oh, does he have a monocle or not? Yeah. Yeah. Does he? I, I, he doesn't, but I can very easily remember him with one. He doesn't. Uh-huh. Uh, he doesn't. But like for me, I'm like, you know what? The Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura. Yeah. Ace Ventura too. We were always like, you're the Monopoly guy. And like the guys wearing the monocle. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's where that comes from. Like you just remember like parody or whatever else. Well, this you is know. your schema for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a really sad one. The Lindbergh baby. I don't know what you're what, Lind- what about? So in 1932, Charles Lindbergh, uh, his baby was kidnapped. Yeah. His uh, 20-month-old son was kidnapped. Mm. And then a lot of people remember it as like a cold case. Like mm. we never knew what happened, but we did. Did they pay- They paid the ransom? No, no, no. Oh. No. Oh. I don't want to tell you what happened on that one. We'll oh. just continue on. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a very sad story. Yeah. The Looney Tunes. Oh, O-O-N or U-N. Uh, it, whether it's T-U-N-E-S yeah. or T-O-O-N-S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pass. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of Star Wars ones. Oh, tell me some of those. I don't... What does Darth Vader say to Luke? Yeah, this one, I've always been annoyed because we watch the movie so much and I know that it is not Luke, I am your father. It is no... I am your father. Right. And, but, and maybe he ends with Luke. I don't think he does. That. But there's so many parodies of that. Yeah. That it's like, I, I'm sure someone said at one point on some kind of popular television show or other yeah. movie that parodied it. Luke, I am your father. Yeah. And so like, it's yeah. totally understandable. Yeah. As to why somebody so you're going to, you're explaining that one. All right. <laughs> oh, the bear who is anti-forest fires. What's his name? I think all bears are anti-forest fire, but this is like a cartoon character, a pretty popular cartoon <laughs> Except character. Except the bears that go around setting forest fires. Who does PSAs. He's owned by the National Park. I pr- I'm probably false in that I want to say Smokey the Bear. It's just Smokey Bear. There's no the. Oh. <laughs> Smokey Bear. I, okay. Yeah. Um, see, see, when you tell me these things, though, I'm, I'm so willing to be wrong 
because I have an understanding that memory is so malleable. Absolutely. I'm not like, no, it's not. And that's so much of what I hear is people saying like, "Ah, this is how I remember it. And you do too. Oh my gosh. There's a conspiracy or an alternate reality. It's so real because we believe our memories to be so real. So here's one that's like not really fair. Abe Vigoda, an actor, he died in 2016, but 30 years prior to his actual death, there were news, like there were news reports that he had died. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of people remember him dying 30 years before 2016. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I was curious if the same thing happened with Nelson Mandela. Was there like a day of news coverage of a false report that he had died in prison? Right. Maybe there was. Yeah. What color is chartreuse? Pink. No, it's yellow green. Ew. Oh. What am I thinking of? <laughs> Yellow green sounds gross. I don't know because uh-huh. chartreuse is a lovely shade of pink, isn't it? No, no, there's it's a, green. There's some okay. There is a liquor called chartreuse, which is where the color gets its color. The color gets its name from, and it's green, mm. like a green color liquor. Oh, it is kind of a like a pea color, not pea, like a pea pod. It, yeah, it's like 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 a lime green, like almost like a bright neon green. Chartreuse probably just sounds like other pink shades. Uh, the picture of Henry the oh, Eighth. Sorry. Yeah. I'll go back to like root. I think it's the root ruse or rose or ruse is red and or is pink in French. Oh okay. Yeah. The picture of Henry the Eighth holding the turkey leg. No. Does that ring a bell? No. Okay. Because to many people it does. He's not. He's holding like a. I don't know, like a croissant like a, or something. I don't oh, know. Okay. I don't know what he's actually <laughs> holding. Can you sing the last? You don't have to sing it. Can you tell me the last lyrics to um, "We Are the Champions" by Queen? <laughs> Please don't sing for. No, <laughs> no, you can sing if you want to. Um, the last, the end of it. Yeah. That's very difficult in general because I need to. You're start. a Queen fan. I am a Queen fan, but I need the start of a song. So like, we are the champions, mm-hmm. no time for losers, cause we are the champions of the world. That is incorrect. <laughs> I know. You just put it. <laughs> is it uh, the end, or does he say that at Nowhere. all? Nowhere, nowhere in that song does he say of the world. Wow. Again, this is from one website, so it could I be don't wrong know too. That that's true. <laughs> the, see, and this is what happened: is I kept jumping yeah, back and forth between know. these sites that were and like I, claiming it. But again, even so, I say I don't know that that's true. I don't know. Like I don't know. This is one that has affected both you and I. The bad gremlin in Gremlins. What is his name? Oh, you have me torn between Stripe and Spike. Those are the two. Those are the two answers. Yeah. Yes. Is it Stripe? It is Stripe. Uh huh. Yep. I swear it was Spike. Like I, I yeah, yeah. that is one thing that I'm like, no, I remember it being yeah. Spike. Didn't you name a cat after? <laughs> I did name a cat after that. Here's a really interesting one because it got me. Fruit of the Loom. Can what about you it? can you describe uh, what that looks like to me? Actually, you know what? Let me see if I can find. Give me a second. I'm hesitant to show you this because I don't want to. I don't want to prep you for it. You mean you don't want to prime me? Prime you. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. So, and this goes to another. I'll talk about it in a little bit. Does this look like the right logo? No. The cornucopia. What about it? I don't think there was a... I don't remember a... I don't remember a cornucopia. I just remember fruit. There was never a cornucopia. I do remember a cornucopia. <laughs> yeah. I knew that one. <laughs> I, 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 I always thought there was a cornucopia. I always mm-hmm. remember a cornucopia for the loom. I don't know why, and I can't explain yeah. that. But I used to wear the underwear when I was a kid, so I totally remember the cornucopia. Interesting. Oh, here's a good one for everybody. The show about single women who live in New York who have lots of sex. What's the name of that show? Oh, it's Sex and the City. But everyone says Sex in the City. That is correct. It is Sex and the City, Mm -hmm. not Sex in the City. Um, there's like Oscar Mayer and Febreze. Here's another uh, Star Wars one. Mm-hmm. Uh, C-3PO. Like, what what color was C-3PO? His like outer shell. Oh. In the original, not in, in the new stuff. Yeah, gold. Yeah, he had a silver leg. Oh. He had one silver Neat. leg. Cool. <laughs> cool. I cool. guess that's fine. Okay. Yeah. It's just a alternate universe sneaking up on us. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, last one here, uh-huh. I think. We, we gotta we gotta move on. Kit Kat. Is there a hyphen? No. There is not a hyphen, but a lot of people remember there being mm-hmm. a hyphen. Moving on here, 
let's talk a little bit about multiverse theory, mm. which is a theory in physics, specifically quantum physics. The multiverse theory, also known as the many worlds interpretation, is a concept in theoretical physics that suggests the existence of multiple parallel universes. The idea stems from the field of quantum mechanics, which describes the behavior of matter and energy at extremely small scales. The multiverse theory was first proposed by physicist Hugh Everett III in 1957 as an alternative explanation for some of the strange phenomena observed in quantum mechanics. In classical physics, objects have well-defined positions and velocities, but in quantum mechanics, particles are described by wave functions, which give probabilities for different outcomes of measurements. One of the most famous examples of quantum behavior is the double-slit experiments, in which particles like electrons or photons can behave both as particles and waves, leading to puzzling interference patterns. Any thoughts so far? <laughs> the many worlds interpretation resolves some of these paradoxes by suggesting that every possible outcome of quantum event actually occurs, but in separate, non-communicating universes. According to this theory, each time a quantum decision is made, the universe splits, creating multiple parallel universes, each with its own distinct version of reality. In the context of the multiverse theory, every possible scenario, decision, and outcome would exist in some universe. This means that there could be countless alternate versions of our universe, each with its own unique history and characteristics. It's important to note that the multiverse theory is still a subject of debate among physicists and philosophers. I don't know why philosophers is all of a sudden thrown in there. Well, because it's a philosophical theory. It's untestable. Yeah, but they're testing it. Uh, as current, yeah, up to the point until it is testable, it's untestable. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not universally accepted. Some critics argue that the idea of multiple universes is unscientific because it is inherently unstable and relies upon assumptions that cannot be experiment experimentally verified. However, the multiverse theory remains an intriguing concept that has inspired numerous works of science fiction and has sparked ongoing discussions about the nature of reality mm. and the limits of human knowledge. Yeah, this is where the word theory becomes interest an interesting one. Isn't everything a theory? In philosophy, or in an untestable area, it is until... Not in science? No. In, in, you, you can articulate a theory, it, but in the, at least in the, in the social sciences and in psychology, you don't get the label of theory until it can be tested, can be falsif is falsifiable. You can find evidence for or against it, and then repeatedly you actually have demonstrated at least some aspects of the theory. Um, or the constructs can be measured, have been measured, even if you haven't fully measured all the components of a theory. That's just the way we do it in psychology. Okay, because it's not at one point but, in our history, yeah. God was keeping everything on the earth. Then Newton had a goddamn apple fall on his mm -hmm. head, and then it became Newtonian physics. Yeah. And then Einstein yeah. was like, well, actually, it's all this other stuff. And yeah. then it became Einsteinian physics. And actually, now we're kind of at the point where quantum mechanics is coming to play. And we're kind of like, ah, actually, Einstein yeah. was a little wrong. Uh, Newtonian and Einsteinian. Is it just, just Newtonian physics? Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, these are um, so replicable and falsifiable and testable that they then become have become laws. Right, and yeah, the laws don't have of physics. Any that's right. laws in the social sciences or psychology, because a law means it applies a hundred percent of the time, and that is just not the case for humanity. Right, the Schrodinger cat experiment. Oh, this is so hard. This is real. I thought this was going to be easier to explain. You feel the need to explain this? I guess not. Do I need to explain it? No, they can look it up on Wikipedia. Okay, look up the Schrodinger cat experiment <laughs> on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. It explains it much better than I ever could. But basically, the idea is that. You don't know what a quanta is doing until you observe it. And it could be doing both things at once. Just look it up. And it, to me, as a, as a very lay person in this, I think of, I, I sort of think of it as part of the idea of a multiverse is that there's, the cat is both in the cat and uh, in the box and not in the box. Dead there or are, alive. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'd like the cat's in the box, no, but whether it's dead, dead or alive. cats involved, okay? No. no. <laughs> um, yeah, that there's a, there is a universe where all of those exist. Or each of there is a universe for each possible right. scenario so or the outcome. I, the yeah. idea is though is that when we measure the quanta in our universe, that there is an alternate universe mm -hmm. in which the quanta is in a different state. Mm -hmm. So, like you said, 
there is a universe in which the cat is alive, mm-hmm. and there's also a universe in which the cat is not alive. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at. <laughs> right. And so there is uh, almost a scientific explanation for this, although, as yeah. we mentioned, you know, it's not. Everything's a theory yeah, right and- now, right? Like on how our physical world works. The beauty of having having these theories in a pre-testable state and continuing to have these philosophical, scientific, and then obviously people who understand and can measure these things in physics get to a place where they can they can test it. That's that's so cool. And it and to me, it's not about saying like whether this is possible or not, or whether this is reality or not. It's is the Mandela effect evidence of that? Are there right. other more plausible explanations yes. for why you remember right. a cornucopia with the Fruit of the Loom logo? Because it makes sense. Why is there just a bunch of fruit lying around without any kind of context around it? Yeah. There's got to be a cornucopia or a plate, at least. Something. There's no plate. Yeah. It's just there. It's just bunched together. What, you know, why would they put lettuce around it? Yeah. Why is it lettuce <laughs> and then a bunch of fruit? Who does that? Yeah, there's Monsters. no vessel. And that's all association What are, and yeah. schema and so, so, so heavily suggested by your culture. Okay. Yeah, and I feel like we didn't get to, we, before I jumped into the physicist thing, I feel like we didn't, you didn't get to talk about the Mandela effect. Oh. I to mean, to its full extent. To the full extent? Yeah, because remember I stopped mm-hmm. you. I was like, oh, let's go through all these things and then yeah. talk about the themes that you see afterwards. Mm-hmm. The false memory piece, again, that's something that each of us experiences. It's, and it's, it can sound so invalidating, but it really gets at our memory. It's not a tape recorder. It is just not a re- recording everything. It's fact. Um, there are people with stronger memory than others and stronger in that it might be more technically accurate if you were able to objectively test. And the, the cool thing about these stimuli, this list you gave me of things, it's something that has historical basis. And you can say Febreze has never been spelled with two E's right. in Breeze ever. And the company can confirm that, like that there's there's a record of that, that compare, then you can compare that against your memory. It's kind I of mean, a neat the thing. Loom. Look, yeah. they have 19, 1893 yeah. all the way to current and yeah. they never had the cornucopia. And that's so cool because yeah. it's like being able to look at your own memory compared to fact is that this just really neat um yeah. and we but we can't do that for our everyday lives and so the mandela effect is just uh, a bunch of people have a shared false memory and then people like to say well why was it shared what was it that we all share and they go you know we go we go into culture we go into what is it that we all share an association between a cornucopia and a bunch of fruit um, or right. the it doesn't seem to be the anything word really important. is spelled with two e's. Maybe we filled it in, right? Because we do that with schema. We fill things in, right? Um, or we modify things to suit our preferences. And what's missing here are all the people who didn't remember it inaccurately. Are all the people who do remember Mandela's life accurately? And that's right. probably far, far outnumbers the people who misremembered that he died. Is there a psychological reason for why a certain subset of people might remember something differently than other people? And and exactly the same way. Exactly. So. I can, there's research on why some people might be more vulnerable to false memory in general, oh, okay. but it being specific Mandela effect type of memories. I don't know if there have been association studies with that. People who, and I, you guys are going to be tired of me saying stress, but stress weakens our attention. In the moment that stress is happening, it's heightening our attention, but to only certain stimuli at the moment that are the most important. So you might then have inaccurate memories around fuzzier details of an experience. So this is where eyewitness testimony isn't isn't that great. And then people who ex- directly experienced trauma may have parts of the memory that are really crystallized and really clear because that's where the threat and the attention was they can tell you like in detail about aspects of it and then other pieces might be a little more fuzzy so that's hard to study but they they've done a bit of that with looking at people who had chronic childhood trauma who were under chronic stress they might be more vulnerable to having more false memories if they're and that may be the effect on the brain of like stress chemicals like cortisol can actually impair your hippocampus which is where you know a lot of there's an important structure in our brain for forming memories and it can can shrink it over time so people with chronic depression or or stress exposure might have a smaller hippocampus hippocampi Wow. pieces yeah there's some really interesting i mean this, this there's a ton of research on it on the individual level the nice thing is that when people can grow and are in less stress environments and can heal then these things can can get stronger and and 
there's plasticity in the brain so we can all heal and improve our attention and our memories and but if we insist that we're right and that we're just yeah. living in an alternate universe so that's the mandela part of it that's like saying the mandela effect a part of it of saying that like well it's not that it was false it was at some point true that's right. what i hear in that multiverse explanation i wasn't wrong I was. I wrong. was just in an alternate. Universe. I was in an alternate universe. <laughs> so that is a very different. That's not people who are necessarily under chronic stress, and it's not to say that we again need more. And it's hard to do these studies. Uh, I don't know. Maybe someone will. On like Mandela effect, does that correlate with like the more false memories that a person has? And it's actually also false beliefs because it doesn't. It, you you misremembering the fruit of the loom piece doesn't mean that you always misremembered it. That's the, a really important piece about memory. Hmm. And so there's this because this is an internet phenomenon. I don't don't forget that that we've then seen right. these lists and we've seen the inaccurate versions a lot now too because people can make them very like you just you showed me the fruit of the loom with a cornucopia like these are going around now as much as anything else. So that's suggestibility. You're also then being and priming happening too. There's it's it's so confounded with the internet i would even call it an internet phenomenon more than a paranormal phenomenon i agree i think uh it's definitely like an internet thing when it comes Mm -hmm. to the mandela effect i also don't think that there should be a word or a phrase or a term called the mandela effect i agree because i don't (laughs) think it's anything truly scientific i think it's just something that exists online Mm -hmm. and while computer science is a science although it's not treated as such in a lot of different ways the things that are created on there are very often not scientific Mm -hmm. they're which is fine People can share their feelings, can share their beliefs, can share whatever, and I think it's great. So there's two things that kind of come out of this. First of all, alternate realities. I am way more likely to believe in the multiverse theory than I am to believe that there are ghosts. And that does kind of explain that, right? It's like uh, maybe things pop, they get out of phase and pop in every once in a while. And like, you know, lines get crossed. It's the universe. It's not, you know... Mm It's not perfect Mm -hmm. on a quantum level. Maybe things are happening that we just don't fully understand yet. And then that's why we sometimes see ghosts or apparitions or even UFOs or, you know, really anything, Bigfoot, anything paranormal, right? Any kind of cryptid that we see, like maybe there's a universe where, you know, Chupacabra is running around. We don't, I don't know, like Mm -hmm. it, it, but that seems more plausible to me than they're actually being any of those things that exist in this universe Mm -hmm. the second part, what we were talking about earlier, kind of circling back onto that and saying that the internet is full of people who can say anything about anything Mm -hmm. that they want with zero knowledge truly and so when it comes to the mandela effect i really tried to do a bit of research on fiona and i couldn't find really anything other than her own website Mm. there's no wikipedia entry which i know sounds you know kind of mundane but it's kind of weird when you can't find someone who literally coined a phrase that's as popular as the mandela effect she was a journalist who uh, mostly does consulting now she'll hunt out you know she she claims she has kind of like somewhat of a paranormal academy online where most current ghost hunters go to learn how to hunt ghost mm-hmm. and and this is kind of this kind of boils down also to the reason as to why we started this podcast maybe on a more of a subconscious level than a, than a truly overt level which is there's so much misinformation on the internet and so many people can jump on there and say whatever they want and if you say it enough or if you say it loud enough it becomes truth and that's an issue so when it comes to things like alternate reality when it comes to things like the mandela effect we just all have to be very cognizant of where that's coming from where the sources are for for where that information is coming from who who is saying it but if it's just some random journalist who works in the paranormal you know who has been ghost hunting for their entire life maybe we shouldn't rely on them for psychological advice mm-hmm. or for psychological phenomena naming or advice mm-hmm. uh i'll jump off my soapbox here. <laughs> i agree in terms of the believe quote believability of a multiverse or the possibility of that i, I to me possibility is is really inspiring and it's very cool the mandela effect will is, is does not constitute evidence of that for me but when when we do an episode maybe on um past lives and that some of that research mm. that that is where i get mm-hmm. like oh the the veil between the universes like that that's kind of a an interesting one to me that suggests that possibility okay. of that okay. quantum con- message received quantum connections between consciousness are these these ideas but again that's just me as a as a lay person just thinking like how cool is that idea um because the some of those accounts are are really compelling that i've heard about Okay. But yeah, no, the not the Mandela effect, not so much. I I really agree with you that it uh, and it may be 
I think I looked just if there are research article studies on it, and there are a couple, but they're acknowledging that it's just a, an internet phenomenon to describe particular false memories that people hold mm. that also that are really inconsequential ones. And as you said, it's just the internet full of misinformation that you are getting primed with or suggested, or these are things that you should know better. The important things like Mandela, you should know better. <laughs> Don't check your facts, check your resources. I completely agree. So I'm just going to echo your soapbox in a way. And then also help all of of us to be able to take our brains and our memories a little less seriously the ones that are especially are are inconsequential like logos and movies and things like that yeah who gives a shit if it's got a cornucopia or not <laughs> i mean really right. at the end of the day if it's berenstein or berenstein uh, who yeah. gives a shit yeah why are we sitting here even talk <laughs> what are we doing on this podcast what? why did you pick this one sorry the story that I mean, we started with the multiverse piece like that that's why because it's a bigger question it's really cool stuff that um doesn't get at that but we do we take our we take our beliefs and our brains and our memories really really seriously and there are people who are disturbed by their their real memories of the of the things they've been through um and we should give them the compassion not the people who are like i was i was in a trapped in a multiverse where kit kat had a hyphen yeah (laughs) the lady who was half paralyzed like let's talk like what's what's what, up what what yeah what what was her life experience i mean I, yeah you know i i i would be really curious what her life before that night was okay thanks for listening thank you everyone for listening if you have any stories that you want us to talk about or research please send an email to stories at paranormaloutsiders.com and we'll look into it also if you just want to reach out and say hey great show or hey your show sucks you can do that too oh. i'm not gonna read this your show sucks ones but so hide it hide it deep in something else like be like great show and then when we open it's like you suck <laughs> gotcha yeah you'll get us good anyway thanks for listening and until next time <laughs>